Welcome, I hope you're doing well. Last week, this time, I, with my family, was on a Disney cruise on a, a boat somewhere far from here with no internet. It was amazing. Internet didn't work. It was wonderful. A friend of mine from school who I haven't seen since my wedding, they got out of South Africa and they live in America now and he's... He does well as a businessman, so he said, I'll buy you tickets for the family. Why don't you come on a cruise with us? So we said, why not? So we went. (laughs) It was wonderful. But before we went, the only thing I heard about a cruise is the only thing you do on a cruise is eat, eat, eat. I thought, how true is that? It can't really be that bad. Let me tell you something. (laughs) The only thing you do on a cruise is eat, eat, eat. It's true. It's that bad. I don't know if every boat has this or ship, whatever you call those monstrosities, but this Disney cruise has, it's not a 24-hour, but every morning, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, they open it, and it closes. I don't know what time it closes because every night that we were doing the parties on the deck, whatever, it was still open. It is a free, soft-serve room. And you can have as many ice creams, soft-serve ice creams, as you want. There is nobody saying no. There's no one saying how big it may be. There's no one saying only one flavor. It's literally, there are cones, and you just grab a cone and you pull. It's like a draft brewery place where you just do this. How would I know? So I said to Nathan before we went, I sat him down and I said, now listen, we're not going to, I hear there's a lot of food and there's obviously sweets and things like that. You know, we don't do that. We're not going to go crazy and we'll have a little bit, a little treat every now and then. So as we got on the boat, my friend meets us and he calls Nathan. He says, Nathan, come here, let me show you something. And he takes him. And he says, you see here, see all these drinks, they're for free. And you got Coke and Sprite and Dr. Pepper and all of that. 24-hour free machines with ice. See this ice cream here? This is for free and you can help yourself as many as you want. It was mayhem. So when we, when we came back, I, I, I got on the scale. I, I was shocked. So I went to Tiffany, and she, Tiffany is amazing. She is very supportive in everything that I do. She's wonderful. But I said to her, I said, can you imagine? I've, I've picked up. All I'm going to say is I picked up more weight in four days than I did in three months in Taiwan. I'll just leave it there. And she looked at me, and she said, well, what do you expect with all the ice cream you had? <laughs> in her loving, compassionate It was, it was not good. So in any case, good to be back. But man, if you go on a Disney cruise, watch out for that ice cream trap. All right. So two Sundays ago, I was here and Pastor Brian was speaking. And uh, it was wonderful, his message about the hockey team. I love that movie. Every now and then I watch it. You know, but before he, he, he 
preached, he prayed, and he, he thanked God for everything and the grace that he has to be able to stand behind the pulpit. And I don't pray before I preach every single week, but I just want everyone to know that it is exactly the same for me as well. You know, this week we heard of that, uh, the youth pastor, a mega church who committed suicide. And he was, uh, what are they, an advocate for mental illness and depression and things like that. There was another pastor that committed suicide. So one doesn't expect that from pastors. You know, you, you normally can go to a pastor if you need help. So where does a pastor go if a pastor needs help? And it's just sad that someone who's there, mega church, a lot of people and can't deal with the things of life and, and, and has no other way out for himself that he can see but to take his own life with a wife and, and young kids. And that is sad. So I'm just standing here once again telling you by the grace of God that that's the only way I can get up every single day is by the grace of God. And, and, and to stand behind a pulpit like this and speak to people is nothing else but the grace of God. Dwayne speaking about just this racial reconciliation, me growing up in South Africa, growing up as a racist, growing up to hate certain people, and having God change that. No program, no 12-step book, no... Go to this class, no lie on a sofa, tell me how you feel. None of that. But God, His Word, the Holy Spirit changed me. Only one thing could do that, the grace of God. I heard a pastor once say, you know, people look at pastors maybe differently. But I put my, he, he said, when I get up in the morning, I get dressed exactly the same way as you do. I put my pants on one leg at a time. And that is... Everything that everyone goes through, you know, we as pastors go through as well. There's certain things I can do well. I'm gifted. God blessed me with the ability to teach. That's just, he, he did that. But man, in, in areas of parenting, do I fall short so many times? In, parents of be, uh, in, in, in positions of being a husband, I fall short so many times. So there's certain areas that I, I do well and there are others that I don't do well. And I just want to let you know, as a pastor, as your pastor... I, I make so many mistakes, fallible in so many areas, but I stand here because of the grace of God. That's all. So don't look at us differently. Pastor Doug goes through stuff. Pastor Manny, myself, all pastors, all people, all children of God. And there's no difference between the finger, the eye, the ear. We are one body. And the eye has problems just as the ear does. And the leg has problems just as the knee does. We all go through stuff. But if we can be honest and, and come to one another and say, I need help, that's a good place to be when we can go to one another, confess that we need help, or don't hold back. Don't do this by yourself because you can't. You are not made to face life all by yourself. You need the person in front of you, behind you, next to you to make it. And we want to make it well because we represent God. So just wanted to say that. Okay, um, the last time I spoke, I spoke about um, the Egyptian in the field, and we're going to go there just now. But we hear so much about, or I do, about the sovereignty of God. And what does it mean that God is sovereign? And when you hear about the sovereignty of God, we all have a, a picture or a, an image that comes to our mind. 
And it's very different for different denominations. It's very different for different churches. It's very different for different religions. But in the sovereignty of God, God in His sovereignty sovereignly declared that there's certain things that you and I can partake in with Him that He is not going to force, He's not going to push, He's not going to make you do it, even though He is a sovereign God. For example, there are many good things that God says, if you do not want it, I'm not going to force it upon you. He sovereignly chose to allow us to have a part to play so that we in this covenant that we are go in a covenant with him together and then we can receive the good things that he has so graciously made available for each and every one of us. The most basic one, he's not going to force anyone to go to heaven. Is it his will that everyone goes to heaven? Yes, Jesus died on the cross for that. The Bible is clear. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. But if you don't want to believe, you know what? You don't have to believe. It's your choice. You have the right. He died on a cross, the most gruesome death, so that you have a right to say, no, I don't want that. And he will stand by you and your right as much as it hurts him to defend your freedom of choice. So you can choose. We have the word. The Bible is full of the word is proven. It's been tested. It's a rock sharper than any two-edged sword dividing. You can partake of that or this thing can just be lying next to your bed and you don't have to read it. It's your choice. He's not going to force the truth and the blessing of the word upon you. You can choose to receive it and go after it or you can choose to say, not for me. It's your right. He died for that. What an amazing sovereign God to say, I will not interfere with that. I choose to give you freedom to choose. That's amazing. So in our everyday walk, there are certain areas that God reveals things, speaks things, shows things. And we can choose how much we want to go after that. Or on the flip side of the coin, how little we want to pursue that. It's our choice. So God in his sovereignty allows us to step into a partnership with him and do things together. And that's where you find the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians, husband loves your wives, wives honor your husband. That's the partnership that we see because now we are married to him and it's like a marriage. The two of us together having one vision, one common goal, one same destiny, and pursuing that and going after that. So today we're going to look about that or look into that and how a lot of that works. Um, even in the Word of God, there are so many examples where God allows man to create miracles with him where he doesn't just do the miracle and people look at God and say that was amazing, but he allows man to interact with him to get the miracle done so that others can see what a partnership with God looks like. So we're going to look at a couple of places here, and they're all very familiar parts of Scripture. 
first part, John chapter 11. We'll read 38 to 34. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now, who brought this man back to life? Jesus. Jesus is standing there. He says, I only do what I hear my father say. I, you know. So God tells him to do this. He goes, my question is, if Jesus, this guy is stinking already. He's dead four days. That's bad. If Jesus could bring such a person back to life and his body is whole, could he not have rolled a stone away by himself? Because he comes, he, he knows what's behind there. They're telling him he, he's not unaware of the circumstance and the situation. He knows what is going to happen. Just my opinion, and this is just, that's all it is. That's why Jesus cried. Because here the one who is life, who brings life, is standing amongst people and they're telling him, where were you, how? When he's knowing what he's going to do and he can do it for so many other people, he's there to reveal to them what is possible and they don't see it. That's why I think he was crying. I mean, you can have your own revelation or whatever, but that's just mine. Here's the man who's able to do anything, and you come and argue with him about why you weren't here. This is so bad. If you were, and Jesus is, here I am. I'm here in the midst of you. Look what I can do, and they, they don't see it. How sad must that be? So Jesus wept. But could he not have rolled a stone away by himself? If, if you bring life back to a body that is stinking, he could have rolled a stone away. Then when this body comes forth, what they used to do, you've seen the mummies, they mummify people, they, they, they wrap them in those cloths. So when this body came forth, how did he come forth? Because he can't walk. This guy's in a sheet. He can't walk. But his body came. Do you realize the power in the name of Jesus when he said, Lazarus, come forth? Do you realize what came out of his mouth for that thing to raise and come forth in that mummified state as it was? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know what power there is when you speak what God told you to say and nothing else? Not he's stinking, he's dead. Where were you? Why on you? If you were, no, come forth because that's what the father said. And the power in those words, bring forth this man, mummified and all. And then Jesus says, take the cloth off of him. Could he not have made the cloth fall off by himself? 
but he allows us to have a part in the miracle. He could have done everything and stood back and said, voila, it's me, the son of God. He didn't. He said, I'll do what I need to do. You do what you can do. And together, we'll bring the dead back to life. So the word of God that you and I have, he's allowing us to step into a partnership with him to bring forth the miracle, whatever it may be, so that all the people around that grave could see how amazing a relationship with the Father truly is and what Jesus could do because he obeyed what the Father told him to do. It's the same for you and I. I also just on that part think he he had to say Lazarus because this is a place in the graves. If he just said, come forth and every dead person arises, that would have been freaky. But here they just concentrating on Lazarus. Therefore, he had to say his name here, which he did. Next part, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 54 and 55. Very familiar part of Scripture for us. This is where the little girl is dead and the people are howling and wailing and they have their traditions of getting mourners in after someone died and they're crying. But he put them all outside took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned. Once again, who made this little girl come back to life? Jesus. People are crying. They're mocking him. He's going in. They're saying, man, she's dead. What are you doing? You're foolish. And look how he deals with it. Very kindly, yet firmly. He put them all outside. <laughs> There's no arguing and but. And it's, okay, go. We don't need you here. There's... Okay, then her spirit comes back, and she arose immediately. So she's back from the dead, a miracle that he did all by himself. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. Couldn't he have made a bread roll in her hand? Couldn't he have any kind of whatever they ate in those days? I don't know if there's a special meal when someone comes back to life, how you celebrate. I don't know. But if he has raised her from the dead, could he not make something for her to eat right there and then? But he tells the people, I did what I can. Now you continue this miracle by doing this. Let us do this together. This is how you're going to make this miracle a continuous one. And for you and I, it's the same. He's going to tell us what to do. We're going to do it. He'll do what he has to, what he needs to do. And we can do the rest. But together, we are in a partnership creating miracles that the Father desires. Next one, Luke chapter 5. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they both began to sink. What happened after this? Simon falls before Jesus, and he says, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. My question is, where were the fish? They were there in the lake. Do you think Jesus really needed a net? 
could he not have just said, in the boat, let's go. We wouldn't have wasted so much paper on paper on, on biblical scripture writing so many words down. It would have just been he snapped his finger and there the fish were. And it's, we can go over, but I'm just trying to make a point here. If he could get the fish into the net, he, he could get the fish into the boat. He didn't need the net. But Simon needed the net. And that's so many times how God works with us. He doesn't need something. You and I need something. But when we do what he tells, what we need, together things start happening. And that partnership that we have. And now other people can see, wow, you really obey and you really believe when you hear something from God. And you know that it's him that when you do it, things start happening. I want that as well. And that's what we're going to look at today. Is because these are all words from, from the Lord that the people had. And what we spoke about last time was David at Ziklag, where these guys come back and the, the city is burning and they are angry because the wives and the kids have been taken away. Um, if you were not here, I don't know how long ago it was, second last time I preached, uh, it's on the website. But God had prepared an Egyptian that was hiding in the field so that David could have all the answers that he needed. But to get the Egyptian in the field, to go to that place to find all the answers, he first needed a word from the Lord. He first needed to hear from God what to do. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7, it says, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Alimelech's son, he said, Please bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to David. So David inquired of the Lord. He didn't go to the computer he didn't go to magazines. There were no Facebooks. There were no. He went to the Lord and he inquired from him, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, the Lord, answered and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David received a word from the Lord. My question to you is now, and what I asked a couple of weeks ago is, how many of you have received a word from the Lord? And a lot of hands went up. It may be a word concerning your ministry. It may be a word concerning your finances. It may be a word concerning your health. It may be a word concerning your family, your spouse, relationships. It may be a word concerning a chain that you are finding that's binding you, and God says it's already broken, it's taken care of. Do you want to start a business? Are you and your wife going through certain things, or your husband and God has said, this is going to end out well, just stick with a plan and stick to the word. Have you received a word from the Lord concerning something? Because look what happens when we receive a word. The Bible tells us clearly, and this is what the God gave to me while I was in Taiwan. We just didn't have time to finish everything the last time I spoke. But let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 4. One of my favorite parts of Scripture. I think this is one of the most important parts of the whole Bible. And I think that because Jesus said that. This is where he talks about the sower sows the word, the parable. 
And when the disciples come to him after he's given them the parable, they said, we don't understand. Can you please explain? And Jesus says to them, if you don't understand this, how then will you understand anything? Meaning this is the granddaddy of all parables. If you don't get this one, you're not going to understand the others as well. So Jesus talks and he says, the sower goes out to sow the word. So we'll jump down to 17, 16. Then likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, my question to you was, have you received a word from the Lord? When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Who of us have received a word from God? And it was just, that is amazing. That is for me. Yes, amen. That is, that's the word of the Lord for me. That's great. So when they hear it, they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, so that's another question, who, who of us have experienced some tribulation and persecution lately? So when persecution and uh, tribulation endure, for the word's sake, Immediately they stumble. So people get the word of the Lord, receive it with gladness. Praise God. Did you hear that word today? Man, look what the Lord showed me. Oh, this is it. That. And they grabbed it with gladness. Now it's theirs. Whoa, this is God for me. But now because of the word, it's got nothing to do with you. It's because of the word in you. Now persecution comes because of the word's sake. And people look at this very, very wrong. Why is this happening to me? Because you're carrying something on the inside of you that the enemy doesn't want you to carry. He can defeat you left, right, and center, but he knows the word he can never, never defeat. He can't defeat the word. So he does everything he possibly can, tribulation, trial, to get the word out of you. That word that was so amazing. Do you know how many people I know that started off this path of Christianity and I meet them years later and they, well, I tried that. Or they're just not as on fire as they were for God because you know what, I've tried and this didn't happen and that. You know people like that? They received the word with gladness and then tribulation arose to try and get the word out of them and that's what happened. Let's go look at the King James Version, the original King James. Same verse. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, Immediately, they are And we're going to talk about that today. Because this word offended, man, you can't turn anywhere today. It doesn't matter whether it's politics, whether it's sport, whether it's economics, whether it's weather, whether it's race, whether it's color, whether it's country, where I'm offended. That word just comes, it's like the word love. Love, love, love you, love you, brother, love you, love you, yes, love, love, love. 
And this word offense, I'm offended. That offends me. How dare you? Who do you think? Offense, offense, offense. And this is what God wants me to share with all of us today. Because we, as Dwayne was saying today, we need to check ourselves. If the church is not doing what the church should be doing, or if the church is acting like the world, we need to look in the mirror. So they immediately stay alert. Okay. I was with a group of men from this church a while ago. We were just talking, and Greg, my brother-in-law, he just reminded us that for the most part, you and I sitting here, we, we don't partake of the big sins. We just partake of the, the smaller sins. Sin is sin. There's no big or small. Sin is sin. But you and I are not going to wake up one morning and go rob a bank. We're not going to go and stab someone with a knife. We're not going to steal our neighbor's car. We're not going to rape and plunder and murder. We're not going to just leave our family going. We're not going to do that. But how about things like husbands not treating your wife, not loving your wife like Christ loves the church? How about wives not honoring your husband? How about having a bad attitude? How about complaining? How about not walking in the fruit of the Spirit which are on the inside of us? How about disrespect? How about sitting in a circle where people are gossiping? How about white lies? Just change the truth just a teeny weeny bit for whatever sake of convenience. The big sins and the little sins are sins. And the enemy comes to us most of the time because we're not going to steal the money, rob the bank. We're not going to do that. So how is he going to get us? How is he going to make us fall through the things that, oh, well, as I've just mentioned, all of those things, and we can carry on until this evening, those little things that we don't really think are that important, but they are. So what happens is, when we receive the word of the Lord, because we have that word, now the scripture says the enemy comes and because of the word's sake. So for example, let's say you've just received an amazing word. Let's say uh, healing. Healing is yours. Jesus died. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. And Blessed is your bread and water. I will remove all sickness and disease from you. This is great. Yeah, praise God. I take that. And then the next month you wake up and you've got a stomach ache or headache or a flu or a cold. And then it's like, you know, this isn't really working. And all that's happening is the enemy's testing. Do you really believe that word, number one? And number two, can I take that word out of you so that you can't defeat me with that very same word? That's all it is. And therefore, Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything. How will you understand anything if you don't get this? Therefore, my question is, how many of us received a word from the Lord? doesn't matter what it is. We can start here with Seth, and we can go right to Michael there in the back of the church. And everybody can say something that, man, I know that I know that I know. This is a word that God gave me. 
doesn't matter how old you are, how rich, how whatever. There is something the Lord has spoken to you. And now the enemy is doing everything he possibly can through persecution, trials and tribulations to do what? To get the word out of you because the word is going to defeat him. That's how that works. So we need to check our hearts and make sure that we are not stumbling in this area that the enemy, there are four ways the enemy does it in that uh, parable. But we're just looking at this one that Jesus wanted me to focus on. So we're going to look at that word offense. Do you know what offense really means? Let's go look in the Greek. It's the Strong's Concordance G4624. Study and prove the word. So, skandalizo is the Greek. This is what that word means. To put a stumbling block, a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall. To entice to sin. To cause a person to begin to distrust Distrust. Let me try that again. What's happening? To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one in whom he ought to trust and obey. What word have you received? And now the enemy is saying, come on, man. If God really loved you, then. To cause to fall away. To be offended in one. In other words, to see another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his or her authority. To cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly another. To cause one displeasure in a thing. Now, Proverbs talks about when, when you don't get what you want, the heart, something that you believed was going to come past, didn't come to pass. It talks about the heart. It's disappointed, sick, hurt, and to make one indignant. That's what that word to stumble means, offended. So now God wants us to go inward because everything with a Christian comes from the inside out. Not from the outside in. We live from the inside out. So we have to now go and check our hearts today, right now. And we have to make sure that we have not taken offense concerning anything. Because that is what the enemy is bringing our way to try and stop the miracle that we can partake with God in to come to pass. And now, I mean, there are so many areas of offense. Just politically, it is, I mean, it is something else. It's amazing. Not American yet. Hopefully in two years I'll be. But this country is not the same as what it was when I arrived here eight years ago. It's completely different. It's not the same. And the hate and the division amongst even churches is just absolutely sickening where people who call upon the name of the Lord, washed in the same blood, can't even have a conversation with one another because 
they view the president, political parties, leaders differently. And there's a lot of offense in the church concerning that, but it's not just there. So have you been offended? Have you taken offense to someone, something? And the most important is, and we in the church sometimes do this without even really knowing it, have you been offended at God? How dare you write for how? Yeah, sometimes we pray and we believe. I've heard people say, you know, I pray, I believe, and it didn't happen. Well, the Bible says if you believe, it will happen. I'm not not yet to argue with you. I'm just saying what the Word says. I, I don't know your circumstance, your situation, but I hear people saying, I believe. My grandma believed, and she still, and she had faith. The Bible says if you had faith, it would happen, and we get offended at God. Because we read the word. We think we believe. What Mike said today, you don't know what you don't know. And if you think, man, I have faith in, and you don't know what faith is and how it really, really works, and you thinking that's faith, and you standing on faith, which is not really faith, and then it doesn't come to pass, now you're offended because you thought you had faith, but you didn't. And now you're offended because what you thought was going to come to pass or the way you saw it unfold in your mind it did not happen that way and now you're offended have you taken offense towards God in any manner in anything and the most marvelous thing about all of this is just concerning this Jesus goes on and he says but you know there's there are people who receive the word and and people go through this what we've read and it's not an issue if you just repent, because then he goes in the next verses and he say, you know what, someone who went through this, someone who was offended, someone who the enemy did bring, trial, tribulation, persecution again. Yes, they did offend. They were stumbling. They did. But you know what, they repented and they brought forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. So I'm not here to talk about, are you offended? Get rid of your fear. I'm not. I'm saying when you've received a word of the Lord, This is the entrapment that the enemy brings towards you and I to try and take that word out. And if we want to stay in that partnership with God, all we need to do is get rid of the offense and then just go forward. So we bring forth a 30, 60, and 100. Why do some bring forth 30, some 60, and some 100? Is it God in his sovereignty saying, you will 30, you will 60, you 100? No. It's me choosing to partner 30, 60, or 100 with him. And this is the way to look at offense, I believe, is I'm not going to let anything that the enemy in the world throws at me steal the word of God out of me so that that doesn't come to pass. That word that the Lord has given me concerning whatever circumstance it may be is too precious to let my guard down for a minute And become offended because you don't understand the word of the Lord that I have. And when you don't see what I see, you don't know what I know, you don't understand my heart and what I have inside of it. Because you did not receive the same word possibly. But I'm not going to allow the enemy to come and not even steal this. It's me taking this word that the Lord gave me, putting it on a silver platter and saying to the enemy, here you go. You can have this right now. 
He doesn't have to steal. It's you bringing it to him because you're taking that word through the offense. Remember what we said offense is? All of those words, that's what it means. So today, God wants us to get rid of the most smallest, tiny, minutest, if there is any offense in your life. He wants us to get rid of that because that's the enemy's plan to steal the word of God out of our hearts so that that very thing cannot come to pass. And the miracle that is about to take place that we partner in him with is not going to happen. And that's what God wants to do through us. So that's just, it's a system. It's like a garden. If you put seed in the garden, the garden doesn't say good seed, bad seed. The garden has a job. The garden grows the seed. It's all the garden does. The offense is the same. Can you take that offense and say, you know what? I'm going to plant something in the garden, and that garden is going to bring something forth. Is it going to be a seed of offense and hate and bitterness? Or am I going to take that seed out? And I'm going to say, you know what? This garden is here only to produce good fruit. So I'm going to let go of the bitterness. Whoever offended me or whoever I allowed offense in my heart toward, that is not worth the word of the Lord concerning my life. If you are here, and please, as I say, forget about the person next to you. It has nothing to do with them. This is between you, Holy Spirit moving in your heart right now, because he wants you to stay in partnership with him so that that miracle and that word that he gave you can come to pass. If you are here and you know that, man, you know what? I, I let something slip in there. There's a little bit of offense in there. Please stand to your feet because we're going to get rid of that right now. We're going to get rid of it so that that word of God can come to pass. And that which God wants, that miracle that he is asking us to step in partnership with him with, will come to place. Forget about the person next to you. It's not about them and their word. It's about you. And don't go now and look and 10 years ago. It's, it's here. If there is, it will be there. Don't go and find things and looking, is it? No. Your Holy Spirit will say, listen, you slipped up here. Let's get rid of it right now. Stand to your feet. Let's do this. Lord, we come to you now as your children. We thank you for this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in our hearts. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you that our steps are ordered by the Lord. Wow, so many amazing promises are ours. And we just choose right now to come against the plans of the enemy. The plans that your word clearly says, Lord, are against us that try to take that word that you have spoken in our lives. And we come now, Lord, and we confess before you. We just say, Lord, yes, I, I, I allowed offense in my heart and I let it go right now. I forgive that person. I forgive the circumstance, the situation. I bless whoever I took offense against. I release that bitterness, that anger, that fear. I just let it go. It's not worth the word of the Lord in my life. It's not worth the peace that surpasses all understanding not to be in my life. 
It's not worth the joy of the Lord being my strength. It's not worth me staying white as snow because you have paid for everything, Lord. So right now, I just choose to forgive. I choose to let go. I choose to set free this person, this circumstance, but in doing that, I'm setting myself free. I choose to love my neighbor as I love myself, and I'm not going to hold this in my heart so that I don't love myself. I choose to give this away now, and I say it's not mine anymore. I confess it. I bring it to you. And now I'm looking for the 30, the 60, and the 100 fold in my life because that's what you promise. So I receive now the forgiveness of you, Lord. I thank you that I am washed in your blood. I thank you that I am as white as snow. And I thank you that the word which you have spoken to me is allowed to come forth, will manifest itself and bring forth fruit so that people will see my good works, but you will be glorified. Thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for a timely word right now. And help us, Lord, even as David prayed, to keep a God in front of our mouths that we would watch ourselves wherever we go with all the news, with all the situations happening in this country and around the world where hate is spewed all around, we are flowing in the love of God. We refuse to hate. We refuse to be offended. We refuse to gossip and speak bad. We choose to walk in kindness, patience, love, goodness, gentleness, meekness and self-control because that is who you are on the inside of us so we thank you for this lord we are so grateful thank you for talking thank you for an opportunity to come and get rid of this to walk out like it never ever happened and to expect and look with grateful joy for that thing that you have spoken to come to pass in our lives we give you all the glory all the honor, all the praise. We have love and respect and joy and peace because of you. And we are a grateful people. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Look around you. Just look here. Look, look, look at all of the, the hearts that Holy Spirit touched today. That's amazing. Praise God. Go and bring forth your, not 30, not 60, your 100% fruit, 100-fold in Jesus' name. God bless you. See you next week.